I think listening is really a means to connecting us as individuals and understanding each other better. So that's really my hope is that people feel a little bit less lonely in their lives. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast today, I am joined by Jimena Vengochea. She is a user researcher, writer, and illustrator whose work on personal and professional development has been published in so many incredible publications from Inc., The Washington Post, Newsweek, and Huffington Post, and she is also the author of Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. So I was really looking forward to sitting down with Jimena because I don't know about you, but I feel like listening is definitely an underrated skill. And the truth is, is we can build stronger relationships and build greater connections through listening. And I have been thinking a lot about, as you probably can tell, because I bring it up in like almost every episode, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to move into this new season, both with summer, but also re-entering the world post-pandemic. And as Jimena will share with us, it's through listening that we can really navigate this moment. So in this conversation, we talk all about how to make post-pandemic socializing less awkward and what we really need to know about having conversations after COVID. Jimena shares how we can develop a listening mindset, qualities of a good listener, and how we can really approach having deeper conversations. And with that, we talk too about how we can create space for others to feel safe, seen, and heard, and gently encourage ourselves and others to be vulnerable or open about our experiences. We also talk about identifying your default listening mode, ways to support ourselves on our listening journey, and then we go into the role of boundaries in listening, what Jimena hopes readers will take away from her new book, her biggest dream, and so much more. One of the reasons why I do this podcast is because I really want you to be able to live a happier more joyful, and just ease-filled life. And so that's why I'm so happy to share that today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The last year and a half, there is no doubt it's been difficult. And that's why I think now more than ever, it's important that we have reliable resources that we can turn to. And that's where BetterHelp comes in. So this is how it works. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you're matched with is a good fit. And this service is available for people worldwide too. BetterHelp also offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, so you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too. So as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seek the joy. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash seek the joy. The link will also be included in our show notes. After sitting down with Jimena for today's new episode, it is just so clear to me that we can honor ourselves and others through listening. We're all going to feel awkward and uncomfortable right now. I certainly do. Like finding my footing and my social footing after a year in 
isolation, quarantine due to the pandemic. It's just been real ox sauce, <laughs> like real awkward to be very honest with you. And I just think there's no way to get around it. But through the art of listening, as Jimena will share with us in today's new episode, we can really get there. We can get to a space of greater comfort and understanding. And it's all about practicing self-compassion. So I'm excited to hear what you think about this one. As always, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And hit follow, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, leave us a five-star rating and review if you can as well. It makes a huge difference. And when you leave that review, take a screenshot and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you something to say thank you. And it's just always the best way to connect outside of the show. All right, that's it. That's all I've got for today's new episode. So without further ado, let's dive into this one all about reclaiming the lost art of true connection through listening with Jimena Vengochea. Jimena, I, I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. Really all about, I think, the the art and the power of listening. And there's something you say in the introduction to your new book, and I want to read it because I think it just was like, oh, it felt so good when I read it. So I want everyone to hear this. It says, every conversation is an opportunity to understand and connect with others much more deeply if we know how to listen. The truth is though, I think we don't always know how to listen or where to begin, I think, to develop those listening skills. So to start, can we talk a little bit about your listening journey? Like how did you embark on this path of studying and researching um, conversations and listening and, and maybe even the impact all of this has had on you? Yeah. So I think for me listening, I feel like there's sort of been like a micro interest and a macro interest. Mm. The macro interest being this particular moment we're in this sort of like totally. culturally politically divided moment, um, geographically because of the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. There've been so many factors, um, technologically, um, that have changed the way we communicate and relate to each other. So I think that's the sort of like big picture of why I feel listening is important because I think so many of us are disconnected from each other more so than before. Yeah. And then on a really micro level, I think that, um, you know, for me, I'm one of four girls. So I grew up in a, in a busy, loving, but busy mm -hmm. household. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a first-generation American. So my parents are from South America. And I think growing up in a pretty busy household where also I was aware at a young age that we were quote unquote different in some mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. um, from other people, I became really attuned to observing other people as a way of understanding them. Um, I think because there were so many other people around that just came very naturally, like it was a way for me to kind of make sense of my world. And I think I uniquely felt when someone was really hearing me, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. amidst that environment where my parents, to their credit, I think I could have grown up and felt like totally ignored, but really I felt that they were, they would make the space for me mm -hmm. to hear me out and to really understand who I was as an individual. And I don't know that I could have said that to you, you know, a couple of years ago, like yeah. how is listening tied to who I am as a person? Um, but I do think it was a really formative experience and eventually led me to 
a career as a user researcher at these tech companies where my job has essentially been to understand people, right? Like, mm-hmm. what is it about you that makes you tick? Um, what are your needs? What are your motivations, perceptions, and how can we build better products in, in that specific setting? But I think ultimately the sort of through line has always been, um, what can I learn about a person? Like what makes you, you, um, and, and how can I learn that? And I think that listening and observation, it's kind of a really underrated skill set. but if you can tune into it, it's just like mind boggling what you can learn. Mm-hmm. Listening, observation, and its connection to what you can learn, not only about the person you're engaged in dialogue with, but I think also what you can learn about yourself in that moment. And when you were sharing about your story and your journey with listening, you said you could really feel when someone was listening to you. I'm curious, how do you identify that? Like for someone that's listening, ha, to this conversation and they're thinking, I I don't know if I can actually tell if someone knows I'm listening to them. Are there certain traits or qualities or things that you've been able to identify uh, that could help us, you know, be able to identify and source out, okay, if we are really listening or someone else is really listening to us? I think one of the one of the ways to start to kind of tune into what does that feel like is to think back to conversations that you may have had in the past where you've walked away feeling inspired mm. or motivated or energized or just really seen and understood in some way. And I think we all have at least one person in our lives, whether that's, you know, a really close friend or a great manager or whomever who you come out of those conversations and you just feel a little bit lighter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even a little more expansive, Yeah, um, which is in contrast, I think, to maybe the majority of our conversations where we more feel um, t- bogged down mm-hmm. <laughs> by mm-hmm. something that's been said or depleted because we are offering so much to the other person, but they're not hearing us in return um, or just kind of misunderstood um, or even maybe a little bit ignored, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that contrast, when you find that sort of like spark that where you feel energized in some way, that's a sign of really great listening at play. Mm-hmm. I really love that you touched on it's about how it makes you feel, how it it resonates in your body. Do you feel lighter? Do you feel more expansive? Because ultimately, I think as humans, we want to be seen, heard, and understood by others. And then also, I think, by ourselves in turn. And there's really nothing, honestly, more frustrating than having a conversation with someone, walking away feeling frustrated, and also like being interrupted the whole time or, you know, someone only talking about their experience and not validating yours in the moment. And over the last year, you know, we have been connected, but disconnected at the same time. You and I are talking through Zoom, um, but that is how I've been talking to everybody, you know, over the last year. And I have a feeling you have been too. And so as we engage or move into this new normal, moving away from the devices, going back out into the world, have you found that like social interaction is like a little bit more awkward? Like we don't know like how to communicate or listen to each other. Like, I'm curious what your experience has been because a couple of times I've seen people or done things outside of this new bubble I had created for myself. I had moments where I was like, how, how do I interact? Like this, I'm not used to it anymore. I think it's very common. Um, and I think it's 
I think it's a collective anxiety right totally. now. Absolutely. Feeling, yeah. Um, which is, oh my God, I forgot how to do this. Like I yeah. forgot how to make small talk. Um, or do I make eye contact with strangers on the street? Is that a thing <laughs> that I that I do because I'm friendly, or is that a thing that I don't do because it's creepy, you know, yeah, right? Like yeah. all of these um things that used to feel very natural to us um feel like we're relearning these skills. And I think. I think that's okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think it's normal. Um, and I'd like to relieve a little bit of that pressure and just say that, yeah, we're all experiencing some version of that. And I think in some ways there's a tendency to sort of build these moments up in our heads of like, okay, we're entering this new phase. I'm going to start hanging out with friends where I'm going to go into the office or um, whatever it may be, or I'm just going to not have my mask on outside because that's okay now. And so mm-hmm. people will see my smile on my face and, you know, and I think that um, it can be helpful to just remind ourselves that, you know, this is the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to feel a little bit awkward in the beginning. Um, we're all a little bit rusty. I would say if you're in a conversation where there's, um, the kind of relationship, you know, there's enough intimacy where you can just, you feel comfortable just saying out loud, Hey, I'm so excited to hang out. Um, and I'm totally brain foggy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it's been a while. So, um, if, if I'm a little awkward at points, it's not you, it's me. Um, you know, I actually think that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think chances are the other person will say, me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like about relieving the pressure for yourself and the other person in the moment, because you're right. Like it is about building up that muscle or building up that stamina again. And one of my, um, one of the things I've been the most nervous about, and I returned to an office in July and I've been, you know, working my way up and seeing friends and doing all these things is like, am I in the moment? I'm like, am I going to forget what to say? Like, am I going to forget, you know, how to engage with someone in, in real IRL in real life because we're in person. And I keep thinking about how really over the last year, we've been able to build such beautiful relationships with people online through a screen. There's a different sense of intimacy. And in a lot of ways too, I'm excited to bring that new level of intimacy into my conversations and relationships in person. But I also wonder like, are other people going to feel that way too? Like, because the way we talk to one another, if we're just texting is often different than seeing each other in person. So it's going to be, it's just going to be very interesting. I don't have another word. I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how yeah. all of this goes. And I think we're all part of the great experiment here. Oh, like, we didn't sure. know how it was going to go up until this point and we don't know how it will go moving forward. But I think that, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is this idea of building, cultivating a listening mindset. And Mm. that's bringing in humility and curiosity and empathy into conversation. And I think that those traits work just as well from behind a screen than they do in person. And I think, you know, to your point of, um, I don't know how people are going to feel, like, you know, how you're maybe going to feel, but you're not sure how other people will feel. I think that that is all the more reason to bring some of those traits in because we've Mm -hmm. all had such different versions of this pandemic. Um, Some of us have been wildly productive. (laughs) Some of us have had no creative energy. You know, some of us have, have dealt with grief, all sorts of things. And so I think, you know, relieving some of those expectations about conversation, but also being really open about what they might look like Mm -hmm. and just, bringing that humility in where you say, okay, I'm just going to try and learn something from this other person and getting curious about their experience 
and empathizing with it to the extent that they want to share with you because they might not want to. Like everybody's going to come out of this and emerge from this differently. Some people are going to be so ready to tell you their pandemic story and other people are going to feel like, Ooh, please don't get too close to that. Like I'm, I'm not ready for that. And so I think just bringing those qualities in and letting the conversation be what it needs to be and just having an open mind about it. Um, I think that's like one of the best things that you can do in this sort of Mm -hmm. new world that we're entering. I'm so glad that you brought up this listening mindset that you talk about in the book. And I would love to dig into it a little bit more if we can, because you mentioned empathy and compassion. And I think a big part of that mindset, I'm curious if, if it's curiosity as well, like an ability or a willingness to be curious about somebody else's story and less so about your own. Is there anything else about listening mindset that we should know? Or do you have some great tips or tools um, to share with our listeners about how we can start to step into that listening mindset, especially as we embark on these new conversations? Definitely. So yeah, when I think about humility, I think about putting yourself in the position of being a student and mm-hmm. the person you're speaking with is your teacher. So often we come into conversations with preconceived notions, assumptions, strong opinions. Um, maybe there's an argument that you know we want to make and convince someone of something. And um, it's really about setting those things aside and being open to learning from another person. And, and it is also what you mentioned, curiosity. So that's what allows you to go a little bit deeper. And I think that we are naturally pretty good at being curious about things that we are interested in, right? (laughs) Like there are certain topics that you probably have no problem parachuting in and being like, huh, what's that about? Oh, say more about that. Um, But it's a lot harder when we feel disconnected from a certain topic or area, or maybe we've even, you know, we've sort of like memified our experience a little bit and said, well, I don't talk about X. Like mm-hmm. I'm not interested in sports or I'm not a finance person. Like I'm not a numbers person. Right. Um, and then we sort of automatically disconnect if those topics come up in conversation. And I think it's really important to be able to stick with it and find something to get curious about, even if you think, okay, this is really not for me. Um, and that to me often looks like asking, okay, what else can I learn here? Um, what is this, the fact that this person is bringing up this topic, what does this tell me about them? Maybe I'm not interested in all the numbers, but like, why is this person so interested in this? Where did this come from? Um, what's the through line for them? Um, because that's what allows you to get to know that person. And when you're able to bring in that humility and that curiosity, you're creating space for someone to share their experience. And that's when you can get to the empathy part because as someone shares their experience, you can try and understand it and feel into it. And it doesn't mean that you have to share in that exact experience. You know, It doesn't mean that if someone is dealing with a divorce, you can't relate because you've never been divorced. It's about understanding, oh my gosh, they're grieving something. I've grieved someone, something in my life, or there's shame attached to that. I know what shame feels like. Right. And so it's almost like, you know, these three qualities, it's almost like going down a funnel, right? You're you're starting really open and you're progressively narrowing down and you're kind of getting much deeper along the way to that point of real human emotion and connection, Mm -hmm. um, which is underneath 
all of our conversations, every single one of them. Everything. I love that you started off talking about kind of from a wider lens and how you've narrowed it down. And at the bottom of that, or as you continue to narrow down, it's about how can I essentially provide a space for someone else to be open, honest, and feel safe enough in this dialogue with me, in this conversation, to be vulnerable. Because ultimately, and I know you talk about this in the book, part of conversation, part of listening is providing the other person a space where they feel safe, seen, and heard. And that's where that empathy and that compassion comes in. And then when you were speaking about curiosity, I just kept thinking about what you talk about in the book too, about listening deliberately, like with a with being very focused and what you said about what can I learn about this other person? These are beautiful, I think, perspective shifts because I think most of the time we go into conversation thinking, what can I share about me and less about what can I learn about somebody else? And there's really interesting research actually on that point, um, which is that this researcher, Todd Cashton, he he's conducted studies and basically, you know, there is this tendency to think, what can I share in conversation? Um, You know, what juicy story can I tell or how can I look good, you know, in this conversation, come across in a good way. And what his research has found is that when we're meeting people, um, we tend to be drawn to people who demonstrate curiosity mm-hmm. um, more than our good storytellers. So he puts it like, you know, it's more important to be um, interested than interesting. And I think that's, it is a shift <laughs> because, um, you know, I think it is a very human desire to want to share our stories. And it is actually part of what makes listening so important because when someone allows you to share your story, it's such an amazing feeling, but it is, we have to have that balance of, okay, I need to share something, but also I want to make sure that you can share something too. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm so curious too, about these qualities that you've been listening. So empathy, compassion, curiosity, they sound like qualities that make up a really great listener. And I'm curious, are these innate or can they be taught? Because what if someone is listening and they're like, okay, I want to become more curious or I'm working on developing more empathy. Is it just something that's innate or or can we learn it as we go? We can definitely learn it as we go. I think that some of us might find it easier than others to kind of tune into these qualities, Um, but it's completely teachable. And I think, you know, for me, getting my training as a user researcher, that was really eye-opening where I could Mm -hmm. see, oh, we're setting these sessions up with participants so that we're creating space for people. There are techniques that you can use in order to um, allow someone to kind of share their experience and feel vulnerable. And, you know, I'm talking about strangers who I've never met before and I've got 45 minutes, 60 minutes, um, with, so yes, there are definitely, um, tips and tricks. Some of it is, um, you know, those questions, those kind of thinking prompts and setting the intention that we talked about earlier. A lot of it is also being aware of where you are as an individual. So it's, it's totally fine if, you know, someone is listening to this and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't do that in conversation. Like I do none of those things. Mm-hmm. Great. That's your starting point. Um, it's helpful to know that like now, you know, where your starting point yeah. is. And, and the book has a lot of self um, reflect reflection prompts or exercises to help people figure out how curious am I, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? What is my listening starting point? Um, and I think that's a really important beginning place, wherever you are on your listening journey, just to get a sense of, 
okay, what do I normally do in conversation? Do I normally tune out? Do I normally like how many minutes into conversation do I pick up my phone? Cause I'm bored. Mm-hmm. What would happen if I didn't? Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely can be learned and, and takes a lot of just um, self-reflection and, and these small steps along the way to shift that behavior. I'm so glad that you brought that up because we really have to start like where you are, where we are right now. But even beginning to know that means you have to do, I think, a little self-analysis, dive in into, dive into some awareness. And you have so many questions and prompts and moments within the book that really facilitate, I think, that understanding of, hey, where am I at? Where is my starting point? And I think what's, what you said is really powerful too. This is where we build off of. So there's no shame here. There's no like, you should be somewhere that you aren't. This is where you are in your listening journey. And if you want to take the next step to you know, develop deeper conversations or become a better listener, here are the tools. I have them, but just know where you're starting. I think that's such a beautiful message. Yeah. And I think you know one of the, I think, best places to start too is one thing that we don't really realize necessarily in conversation is that there's often something more happening than what we allow the conversation to do. And we often approach conversations at this sort of like superficial level. We're kind of catching the literal what's being said. You know, we can, we can be polite. Basically we can not get fired. We can, you know, maintain some semblance of relationships, but there's often something else that's happening. And In research, there's this idea that when you're conducting a study, there's a hidden need, there's a latent need that you're trying to uncover. What do people need in order to, um, you know, develop better products? And the same, I think, can be said of conversations in every conversation. And we, we don't often realize this, but there's always a need. There's a reason that the other person is bringing a particular topic or question or commentary to you, even when it's just like, you know, your partner who's sitting across from you at the breakfast table and reading the newspaper and is starting to read little bits and pieces of it aloud. And you're like, well, okay, I've got the newspaper over here. Why are you doing <laughs> That's a bid for connection. There's something happening yeah. there, right? Yeah. So in every conversation, there's a need. And I think recognizing that is really important. And also recognizing how you, this goes back to the self-awareness piece, how you typically meet that need, or mm-hmm. if you even meet that need. And the way I think about it is I call this your default listening mode. So this is the way that you show up in conversation without thinking about it. This is your intuitive mode of listening. And going back to, you know, there's no shame with wherever you are. There are several modes. They're all good. They all have their virtues. They also all have their pitfalls. So it's about understanding What kind of listener am I? Am I a problem solver who hears everything with the lens of, oh, that's a problem. Let me come up with a solution. Am I a mediator who's always thinking, well, what did they think about? Okay, well, well, whose point of view are we not including here? Like, how can we include everybody's voice? Um, Are you an identifier who's really scanning for how do I relate to what is being said? Mm. Um, And how can I share a similar story as a way of, relating. There's all these different ways that you can show up in conversation and they're all good, but they all can be misplaced also. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about earlier of start finding out like, what's your starting point? How do you usually show up? Is it appropriate? Is it meeting the need, that underlying need that you now can start to tune into or is something else required? 
I'm, I love what you just shared. And I'm so glad you went into the different listening types. Like what is our default? And when you were talking about the need, I had two thoughts. One about the need of that particular conversation and the person that, or the people that you're engaged in dialogue with, but then also the personal need that you have, the way that you listen, the way that you show up, what need is that fulfilling for you? And when you were talking about problem solving, or if you're the mediator, I just kept thinking about like moments in my own life where I show up to conversation in that way. Or if I feel the need to problem solve and I'm thinking, God, like this has to derive from other situations in my life where, you know, so it's so interesting. It's all connected, I think, so much to upbringing and culture and to family dynamics. And so that's why I think it's so valuable to dig in and begin to understand your listening type, honestly, because you can understand the root of it. Where does it stem from? And there's a certain like ownership, like power you can take back because I think often when we're engaged in conversation, we can feel like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know how to navigate this. But if you begin to dig in and understand, you can actually either decide if you like this, you don't, you want to make some changes, you want to show up differently. I think if anything, this book in so many ways feels to me like an avenue to develop greater ownership over your own listening skills, your conversation style, how you show up for yourself and then others in the moment too. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think you're right that so much of this is tied to who we are as individuals. And, and I would say that, you know, when, when we tune into those listening modes, um, probably they're coming from a place of strength. Like if you are a problem solver, that's probably because that has served you really well in the past, either within your family dynamic or in your friend group, right? Something about that has been really effective. And um, it's sort of like, there's that saying, like when all you have a hammer is everything looks like a nail, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. so it's like, we lean on that because, well, that, that listening type has gotten us so far and it is a strength. And it's really just about recognizing like, okay, how do I usually come into conversation? Where's this coming from to your point? Um, and also might there be other tools that Mm. I could use? I love this. Might be there other tools that I can use and hell yeah, they're in your book, which is amazing. I want to go into deep conversations if we can for a moment, because, you know, we've been talking throughout our conversation about how ultimately we really want to feel seen, heard, and understood. And part of feeling that way is not only the way in which we engage one another through listening, but our ability, I think, to go deep with one another too. I know you have beautiful advice as to how we can start to engage in these deeper conversations. Where, where is a good place to start? Where do you usually recommend for people? I think in terms of deepening a conversation, one of the best places to focus your attention and energy is in the types of questions that you're asking. So you can have a great conversation and like your follow-up, your question could halt that inadvertently, mm-hmm. um, or it could open things up even more. And it really comes down to asking what I call connecting questions. And so these are open-ended questions. So they're not the question that's going to end in yes or no, or some other single word um, response. They're not leading questions. So they don't have a bias baked into them. Um, They're much more expansive and they allow the other person to lead the way and to really tell you where they're comfortable going. And so what that sounds like, um, you know, it sounds like asking questions that start with what, or how instead of do and is or are, like, are you mad at me is going to yield a very different response than how are you feeling right now? Um, Or 
do you agree about X, Y, Z is going to be very different in conversation than what do you think about X, Y, Z, right? And so some questions are designed to narrow in um, and some questions are designed to expand things. And I think that that expansive nature, again, gives the other person the space to enter into conversation, to guide you as to where they want to go um, and to go deeper. And, you know, I think that's a really important starting point. And one thing that I'll add is that sometimes people say, well, but wait, doesn't that mean the question is just going to be like wide and sprawling and just, we have no control over it. Mm -hmm. And that's where these smaller gentle nudges come into play. Um, And that can sound like, you know, if there's something interesting that's happening, you're like, Ooh, I want to go there. Or I sense that this person wants to go there. Um, Then you can just say, well, tell me more about that. Or, Oh, say more or what else? Um, Or my, one of my favorites is just to say, because, and then you kind of leave the space open. So if someone says, mm. oh, today was so hectic and you just sense, I think there's something, I think this is more than just a like, you know, today was really busy. You could just say, mm-hmm. oh, that's because, and then give them the space to fill in, to tell you the why, because there's often a why that's waiting to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my advice for starting to really go deeper in conversation. I love this idea of really asking the right questions. And I'm sure someone's thinking, okay, how do I figure out what the right question is? But I think based upon what you just shared, it's about if you're being attentive in the moment and being aware of the conversation and picking up on subtleties, because what you're really talking about is subtleties, a sigh, a tone of voice, body language. If you're picking up on those in the moment, you can kind of figure out what questions to ask without putting the person on the defensive. And I think that's so beautiful. It's about an open-ended question that illuminates your curiosity, but also your care and your empathy without putting them on the defensive. I just love these questions. I love this idea of that's really where it starts. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think sometimes there's a little bit of a fear when we get started of, but how will I know, you know, how, how will I know what to ask or when to ask? And I, and I do think that there is, um, some, some intuition here and it's taking in what you're talking about, these other subtle cues. Um, and it's also feeling, your experience too. So if you're starting to get, you realize, oh, like I'm starting to get tense. Like I'm starting to get like a tightness in my chest. What is that in response to? Oh, I think it's because I feel like I'm trying really hard and this person is not giving me much Mm. in return. Okay. That's useful information, right? That is telling you something and it's important to listen to it because maybe, maybe that's a situation where you are pushing too far and you don't mean to be, but the other person is sort of like, closing themselves off and, and you're feeling that, right? So I think that tuning into what's happening for the other person, but also what your experience is, there's a lot of information there that can help you navigate the conversation. Taking cues from yourself in that moment too, just feels, feels so huge. What you just said, I'm, I, this is reminding me too, so much about boundaries, boundaries around listening. What does that really look like? Is it what we just talked about, about being able to tune into yourself and someone else? Um, Because yeah, we can totally have those moments where we feel like, did I just step over the line? Where is the line? So I'm curious about your perspective about boundaries when it comes to listening. So boundaries are 
incredibly important, especially when we're doing this kind of listening where we're really getting deep into how people are feeling and what's emotionally happening for them or for us. Um, I think of boundaries as, you know, partly what is my experience in the moment and also partly what is my repeated experience with an individual. So in terms of what's happening in the moment, that's being able to, yeah, sense into some of those somatic things that are happening of, oh my gosh, I'm getting a tension headache or my throat is really getting, you know, like I have that sort of like lump in my throat. I'm going to cry soon. Right. Um, It's tuning into that and it's being able to say, uh, I really need to hit pause right now. Um, I, I want to have this conversation with you, but I am, I'm noticing that I'm having a really strong emotional reaction to this and I am having trouble hearing you. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when we get to that point, we can't really hear the other person. No, <laughs> we no. are sort of overloaded at that point. And so I think part of it is, is navigating that in the moment and really understanding that in the moment. And then the other part that I was talking about is if you notice in conversations that you are repeatedly um, having an unequal conversation where you are repeatedly, you know, you're the person who's kind of providing that empathetic ear to people, but you're not having your voice heard, then I think that's another kind of boundary Mm -hmm. that has to be acknowledged and addressed of understanding, sort of auditing your relationships and saying, are these off kilter? Are these in equilibrium? Am I comfortable being the person who is always receiving uh, or do I need someone to receive my needs as well? Um, And I think if you get to that point, then there's a whole slew of techniques where you can draw firm lines, draw dotted lines, (laughs) you know, just to manage some of those relationships. I'm curious too, then how do we go about taking care of ourselves or being good to ourselves um, throughout this listening journey? Do you have any tips or advice for anyone that's tuning in who is embarking either on a deeper conversation or just uh, refining or honing in on their listening skills? Are there any, I guess, like self-care tips or advice of how we can take better care of ourselves as we continue on this listening journey? Yes, I think it's really important to learn about yourself, where your personal limits are. And that's not just in terms of, you know, who you're talking to, but how many conversations a day, like you and I are having a fairly intense conversation in the sense that we're both like really present, right? Yeah. So how many of these conversations can you have a day? For me, I learned pretty early on um, when I was conducting research, I should not try and do six hours of this kind of oh conversation my God, no. a day, which <laughs> no I way. tried at one point early in my career. I tried. Um, and so it's about figuring out, okay, um, how many deep one-on-ones can I have? How many friend catch-ups can I have in one day? How many um, manager one-on-ones can I manage, right? These kinds of conversations that require so much from you. Um they can take a lot out of you. And Mm -hmm. so it's better to not just push forward if you don't have to and take some breaks. And so figuring out what's your magic number. Is it one a day? Is it three a day? Um, Figuring out how to pace these conversations appropriately. So can you give yourself a break? So if you're gonna do three a day, do they have to be three hours in a row or can you put some breaks in? And, you know, sometimes I get some pushback when I say that where people say, yeah, but I'm not in control of my calendar, right? Mm -hmm. Like I just, I I can't, somebody else is doing, I'm at the mercy of my calendar. And I, I can empathize with that because I've definitely been in those situations. 
And even then, I would say you can still bake in 90 seconds in between Mm -hmm. your meetings or sessions or whatever it may be to have a sort of like moment with yourself of, okay, I'm just going to breathe. I'm going to feel what I'm feeling from this last meeting. I'm going to try and let that go into this next conversation um, and just sort of like have a reset moment. And so I think part of it is that pacing, part of it is understanding your your magic number. And then the other part that I think is really important in terms of self-care is making sure that you are surrounding yourself with people in your life who can uplift you, who can um, be one of those people who you walk away from the conversation feeling energized mm-hmm. as opposed to feeling drained um, and feeling motivated and feeling seen and understood. And I think earlier when we were talking about it, I was saying there's probably at least one person in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's a number that I would say either maybe think about growing that number or think about really investing in that in that relationship or that set of relationships, because that will do so much more for recovery from intense conversations yeah. Than, yeah. than anything else. So it sounds like it's so much about knowing and understanding and recognizing your own bandwidth. And then also making sure that you have relationships in your life, a support system of sorts, that where you fill up their tank and they also fill up yours. Yes. We don't often think about that when it comes to listening and being able to, because when you're engaging in a conversation and you're right, like you and I are having a very active, purposeful conversation right now, but I find myself, no matter who I'm talking to, I want to be engaged in that moment. But then I also want people to be engaged with me. And when they aren't, you feel like, well, damn, like, what am I doing here? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So it's about recognizing your bandwidth and then also that's port system. Can you grow it? Are you happy with it? How, do you want to make some changes? I love this. Do you have a, like a mantra or affirmation or is there a quote or something around listening or the art of understanding or beautiful conversations um, that you've held on to that has, you know, reminded you of this, this importance of listening or, or kept you sort of going on this journey throughout all the research and conversations that you've done? I think it's less been a mantra and more that feeling that I was talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the feeling that I want to tap into, that I want to both offer to others and also feel in return. And I think that is also what helps me calibrate some some of the limits that we were talking about, because I do think it's very easy if you are a naturally empathetic person or if you have a natural interest in listening to give probably too much of yourself over in these conversations, which does kind of set you up for some disappointment on the receiving end. And so the thing I try to remind myself there is to not become what I call a listening martyr. So, Mm -hmm. right. There's no reason to give so much of yourself over that there's nothing left for you. Um, and so that's, that's a sort of, um, it's just a healthy reminder. I think if you're naturally, if you're naturally inclined to take a sort of armchair therapist role in conversation or a caretaker role in conversation to just kind of gut check and say, wait a minute, am I falling into that? Am I, am I being pulled into that also? Mm -hmm. Because people recognize that that's probably a talent and and probably want more of that. Um, And so I think that is, a really useful reminder. Um, and, and the, the one mantra that I do think is useful in that context as well, if you are the type of person who 
takes a lot on in conversation is just to remind yourself you don't have to keep everything. So you don't have to hold everything for another person. And really it's not yours to keep. So you can Mm -hmm. say like, this isn't mine to keep. This belongs to someone else, right? So if you are the type of person who kind of internalizes or takes on emotionally what's happening for people, then I find that to be a very useful reminder. Going all the way back to boundaries. (laughs) Like real, and it's, it's so important. I'm curious what you hope readers will take away from the book. And so everyone's listening. It's called Listen Like You Mean It, Reclaiming the Lost Art of True Connection. So what do you hope people will take away from from reading the book? I hope that they will build stronger relationships. I hope that they will feel more connected. You know, I think of, um, I think listening is really a means to connecting us as individuals and understanding each other better. So that's really my hope is that people feel a little bit less lonely in their lives. I I love that. And I think that's what I've taken so far from the book as well, especially as we enter into this new normal post pandemic, although I'm not super convinced we're completely out of it. Although everybody else around me and on Instagram says we are. And I'm like, I I don't know. (laughs) Jury's out on that one. Um, But I think especially as we move into this new time, this new season of our lives, you and I talked about, you know, navigating this, these moments and recognizing we're all going to feel awkward. We're all going to feel uncomfortable, but it's about honoring yourself, I think, and honoring others through listening and through these conversations as we close and finish our conversation, is there anything else you want people to know about engaging in conversation again, engaging in listening in a new way as we enter into the world post post COVID anything we didn't touch on that that you want to share? I think the only thing I would add is just to remember to practice self-compassion. There are going Mm -hmm. to be conversations that come out wrong (laughs) where we say something, where we get it wrong, where we interpret the other person's needs and we're totally off base. And, um, that's okay. Happens to all of us happened to us pre pandemic will continue to happen to us. Um, but I think the good thing is like every one of those moments is a learning opportunity. So just noticing that and then letting it go without having it weigh you down. Mm-hmm. Every conversation is a learning opportunity. I love this. An opportunity to learn about yourself, others, their needs, your needs, your listening style. Um, this has just been so wonderful. Jimena, thank you so much for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. This conversation is so, so timely too, I think, as we, like I said, emerge back into the world. So where can everybody find you, connect, find your book um, and, and learn more? Yeah, thank you. Um, so if you're interested in the book or... Um, in a newsletter that I have or social media, any of that stuff, I think the best place to go is my website and that's himenavengwecha.com. And you'll find links to all of that good stuff from there. Perfect. I'll put that link and everything else in the show notes. We'll make it so easy for everyone to connect with you, uh, buy the book, which please do. I've been reading it and it's so, so good and learn more. And just thank you so much again. This was wonderful. We haven't had a conversation yet on the podcast strictly about listening. So I'm super excited to share this. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. Seek the Joy podcast is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created, produced, and hosted by me, Sydney Weiss. 
You can tune into all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're enjoying the show, hit follow and leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure to join the community, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And don't forget, you can actually watch today's new episode and all of our episodes on our brand new YouTube channel. Click that link in the show notes to subscribe and tune in. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Tuesday.